0: And flourish in a world facing different crises.
1: Hi, this is Helen Lee. Welcome to Transform and Thrive. I have here with me May Sim, who has been a psychological astrologist in the last 16 years. Is that correct, May? Yes, that's correct. And she has been helping thousands of clients with their life purpose and career. At careers and teaching astrology to people from more than 26 countries. She's the first Asian to graduate from the International Academy of Astrology in the US and is even a member of their faculty now, amazingly creating their syllabus for psychological astrology. This part I was like, wow, (laughs) that's really cool. May's own Self Astrology Academy is the top psychology astrology academy in Asia. She was gutsy enough to leave a general manager position at age 24 to pursue entrepreneurship in astrology. The bold move has brought her clients who are high flying executives and business owners, as well as coaches, supporting them to transition. From dissatisfying jobs to empowering and fulfilling work that allows them to use their strengths, which she helps them identify in the first place. May has been engaged by government bodies and major corporations in Singapore to speak on world patterns, trends, and potential future events and probable directions. Somehow I'm very proud to read that part also. You know, you could imagine government, our government bodies engaging you to do that.
0: Yeah, I, I think uh I it's, it's also something that I, I do when I it sort of introduce myself and I, I I like to linger on the government thing because I tell them, well, Singapore government probably I'm probably the first astrologer ever allowed to speak at a government, uh yeah, any kind well, of government event.
1: It, it shows that you have a solid background and you present you yourself in a professional and organized fashion, structured fashion as well, right? Uh, I'm absolutely delighted to be interviewing May, a girl after my own heart, who is only a little more than half my age and is both courageous and practical, straightforward with a no-nonsense approach. The no-nonsense approach is very much me as well. thorough in her work, and always aims to be outstanding and beyond the ordinary. Is that true?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I, I am a very ordinary person, I can assure you.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it's, you know, we we may be ordinary, but we aim to do what is extraordinary, to make a difference. Is that true?
0: I think it's, uh, it's this understanding that we have such limited time
1: on yes. Earth. Oh, okay.
0: And, yeah, it's something that I, I, I recently shared with an, with an actor that I had breakfast with. And he, he was very curious because um, he'd been my student for many years. And he asked, how, how do you just keep going? It's like, you just never stop your classes. You just never stop your events. Like, do some people take like a couple of months break and, and you just don't. And I told him, I don't have time. <laughs> and he said, and what where, do you mean? Why and, do you do that mean? Sorry, what, what do you say why do you
1: feel that you don't have time
0: because I think in to a, to a large extent you see a lot of projects that are worth doing take time to gestate. Mm. it's like I can teach a class today but you know the, sometimes the things that you teach they, they don't quite sink in until years later. I've yeah. got students coming back to me years after, and they say, like, you know, you, you taught this in class, and it's only recently when I went back to your notes and I looked at it, and it, it starts to make sense to me now. It did not make sense to me when you went when I was in class. Mm. And to yeah. me, it's like, wow, it took somebody three years to get to get the point of that message. And it means that we, we better start teaching lots of people right now. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And to me, it's and, and you know, it is as as we were just chatting before before we began this podcast, is that. Um, quite a lot of people sort of decide by the time they're about 50s in their 60s that the the time is up and it's it's, things are way too complicated and and too too tech you know for them such that they want to take some breaks they want to stop or or they're just physically tired they just can't go on and the thing is I I like to think that I'm going to be the energizer bunny that goes on until the day I dropped it but um, to me it's like when's that going to be maybe it's going to be 30 40 years um, there's a lot that I want to accomplish, and that's and that's why for, for me, it's um it's a no-brainer. I'd rather do this than watch Netflix all day. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah well i'm I'm nearly seventy, so I do both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I also want to say that I'm rather excited to be interviewing you because in preparing for this interview, I have discovered that your work may coincides with what I do and how I help my clients from all over the world to transform and thrive as greatly as they are ready to do so. But obviously, with my own methodology, which is has been tried and tested over a over couple of decades at least. Yeah. So welcome, May. We have already chatted, but welcome anyway. <laughs> and uh, let's see what I've got so much to cover. I think we're going to need more than one interview. Uh, and uh, let's see what we can do today um in terms of uh, let's talk about next year and what are the key areas that we should note about next year whether it's health or war in, in Ukraine or elsewhere and whatever else
0: yes I think the biggest theme about next year, based on the calculations I've done for some of the countries, uh, and I have to caveat this by saying that it's not necessarily talking about the world per se. The, the nature of the calculations I do is country-specific. So that means if if I look at, uh, and naturally because of where I am, I tend to focus on um, the, the few countries. So I, I'm specifically looking at places like, like China, like the US, um, the UK, singapore malaysia and and our neighboring countries right so these are the countries that people are usually interested in and i think one of the biggest patterns that we are going to see is a shift in what leadership means to the world okay. yeah and i think already this year i think we're starting to get some uh some a glimpse of it and it's, it's been building up for a while now I, the uk's just had two changes of prime ministers within a very short time uh we've also had uh, people like Donald Trump essentially announcing his candidacy for the next presidency. Uh, Malaysia just had a very unusual situation where the, the governments come to a deadlock. Uh, Singapore is very likely facing a, a change of leadership very, very soon. It's not a secret. Uh, and this is similar patterns are happening in many, many countries uh, around the world. Now, elections are not new by, by any measure. But I think what we're starting to see is that it's sort of like a new pattern in terms of how leadership seems to mean very different things now. I think people are starting to redefine how um, how we want to choose our leaders. There's been a, a lot of talk now about flat hierarchies and uh, you can also see a lot of leaders are trying to make an effort now. They, I, I think it, the days of like just mindlessly kowtowing to, to a boss just because has is already over. And a lot of the leaders are really making an effort to sort of um create more space for people to share their, their opinions. You see that not just in the political leaders and you see that in the business leaders as well. Uh, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that one of the themes that we're going to see is that different countries at, at least uh, are definitely going to have to face that. Uh, and it's quite possible, I think, that different countries are going to come to different conclusions from what kind of leaders they want and uh, you're, you're going to see some leaders clamping down on the old ways of doing things they they especially as they see that some patterns the conservative patterns are ending then it, 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 it requires much more effort to sort of keep things the way they are And then there's the kind of people who want to see a new world coming up. So if you ask me, across the board, of course, every country is going to have different challenges of their own uh, and also different opportunities of their own. But in general, I think leadership is what encompasses um, the pattern that
1: we're going to see next year. Mm. And and how do you think that people will adjust generally? I think that the world is going to be
0: very polarised. So that means... there's there's going to be a huge divide between people who like this new order. Uh, They're they're welcoming it with open arms. There are lots of leaders who are starting to realize that if they listen to the people on the ground, there's so much more that we can get done. Uh, And I think those guys are going to have a much easier time moving forward. Because if you look at the the trends that are happening right now, that's that's where we are inevitably going to end up at some point or another. But I think also that, uh, as I said earlier, some people are going to freak out. That we it is possible that people can just do their own thing <laughs> and, and not not really care about what the what the old traditional leaders are and I think a lot of the, the tools that people had used in the past is like we, if, even recently we start talking about like you know parties lifting their party whip and also um uh different groups that are around the world that aren't, aren't afraid to sort of tell the the leaders of Industries the leaders of of governments exactly what they think of 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 their leadership style and I think it's it's very disconcerting for some people who have enjoyed pretty much um this like a, sort of like the royal treatment as it were. Yeah, I think it's going to be very polarized for for a long time.
1: so so it's basically a major shakeup.
0: Hmm? Oh yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So will there be a great deal of chaos and confusion?
0: To a large extent, probably yes uh and i think perhaps you and i helen like us being in singapore is such that i think things are going to be a lot more stable here in singapore than it is yeah. in other countries as it usually is yeah. but i think in other countries where the leaders have not established themselves uh with as much credibility as yeah. as, as we've been lucky to have in in this country that uh it would be very easy to challenge and uh, potentially if I may, to to topple what what um the, the positions that some of these leaders are currently occupying because they are not justifying um to their people why they why they deserve to be in the positions that they are, and I think people are actively looking for an alternative, and uh, quite unfortunately in in some in some countries uh, especially. I think it's quite safe for me to cite uh, the US as an example, that mm. um, there, are, there are people who are harking back to an old version of how the world used to be. And yeah. I think if if they don't like what they see today, then they're, they're looking back and saying that, well, maybe things were better in the 70s or in the 80s or going back even further to when in the 20s and the 30s prior prior to the war. So there are lots of people talking about going back um, to old ways of doing things. And we start to see that in some places in Europe as well.
1: And, and what are these old ways?
0: I think, uh, first of all, it's uh, in some countries going, moving away from the liberal uh, patterns that we start to see. Like, uh, there are lots of countries that are starting to sort of revoke uh, laws and, and progressions on um, the way people live their lives. Um, we're talking about, uh, like, in the US, very recently, big hoo ha about uh, revoking abortion. Uh, basically making whether abortion is legal or not, or whether or not um certain religious laws uh, are in place or, or certain morality benchmarks that used to be. You know, in the old days, before we had like modern democracy, quite a lot of the law is associated with religion. And in fact, uh, in, in astrology, the ninth house in, an, in in a birth chart is related to both religion, philosophy, morals, ethics, and uh, administration. So if you think about how, historically in most cultures whether somebody was right or wrong whether or not he was guilty of a crime or not was quite often decided by a church or by a, a a religious leader of sorts and i think morality had been had followed that that guideline for hundreds thousands of years in in human history and i think what became a bit of an anomaly during the what i call the earth era or what came up during the industrial era was that uh people started to look for a lot more of this uh uh this non-religious way of of deciding so that means uh countries would write like a code of law that was not necessarily associated with a specific religion of any sort so that actually if you think about it is an anomaly in history that means so far humans have always had laws and, and ethics written according to religion and I think some people are starting to consider this possibility of um, moving back into that religious um uh perspective that's what I
1: see I I want to say, God help us. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, it's like, this does not reflect uh, my my personal views, of course. I I think uh, to to a large extent, uh, uh, personally, I have liked uh, what I've seen in the last 200 years, that laws are being made according to what benefits societies, what makes sense for businesses and families and communities, uh, rather than what is uh, decided by hope. Like what, what I think is a, is a few people trying to sort of dictate what um, what, what is the, the moral code in that sense. but um, but th- that doesn't of course my personal opinion doesn't change what uh, will happen in some countries uh, regardless of our personal views. Okay, uh.
1: yeah, so if we take it beyond next year and it to like the next 10 years, then what will be what do you see in the charts? I mean, uh, I, 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 I'm yeah, all for the you know greater freedom yeah, uh yeah. not not to do whatever you want, but to to be yourself, right? With yes, and yes. and and loving yeah. and honoring yourself and yeah. others at the same time. You know? Yes, yeah.
0: Well, I, I, I can't say honestly that I've done calculations for up to the next 10 years, at least not for individual countries. But um, potentially, I mean, if we were to extrapolate from what we are seeing here is that, as I said, there will be great polarization. So that means people either agree with what sh- what's happening in their countries or they don't. So logically, the next step would be we, we might actually see a lot of mass migration uh, across countries, between countries, and that um, and I think we started to see that as a pattern in the last maybe 10, 20 years. It is not uncommon to go to a country and then you see people of vastly different skin colours or 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 cultures learning to live with each other. And I think uh at least the, the newer generation uh, is very open to that. It's like they don't really have a problem with people of different backgrounds uh, sitting together and breaking bread with each other. You know what I'm saying? So in, in that sense... Uh, we could see some of that going on now having said that of course that like you know as as with the the Newton's law and everything like when when you have force in one direction quite often the opposite happens as well so if for whatever reason this mass migration that's happening between cultures it doesn't fit in with certain plans and you'll find that it's very easy for people to try to find ways to sort of limit this movement of, of people of course ideally it would be that you would go to the the communities and the cultures that best align with with your personal beliefs. So I think mm-hmm. it in a way um of course uh, on a positive level in the next 10 years if if this mass migration was possible then we could see um people moving to to communities that align better with themselves.
1: Yeah, I mean already there is what uh the the whole idea of you know being a digital nomad so you can live anywhere right yes, yes. and and actually that is my intention at my great age to yes, <laughs> to be yes. one you know and have singapore as a base but i'm not limited to to singapore yes, you know yes. i don't see why i should be right or anyone else for that matter you know um i i you know like like you know you have songs about being you know having a borderless world right uh and, and so on um Okay, I'm gonna put that aside, otherwise I'm gonna to think get too <laughs> up about this.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: um where what about things like health and pandemics and climate change, you know, which will affect all of us, right? Yes.
0: I think um it's it's quite important to sort of make a distinction between the words uh, pandemic and epidemics, because I think when it comes down to health, I mean, even as we look at history, not just recent history, but just the history of, hu- of humankind, health issues is part and parcel of uh, of what happens. And of course, b- because of COVID now, um, I think the, the biggest fear that people have is that, okay, is if there's going to be a health issue, does that mean that it's going to affect business and, and the economy and uh, supply chains and, and that kind of stuff? To a large extent, it's, that's always going to be a potential issue uh, no matter where you are. But I think uh, perhaps a smart thing to do perhaps is not to really focus on um on health as being a a pandemic thing it's as an astrologer it's always possible for me to look into a chart and say okay i think maybe this country is going to have a bit of a health challenge for for the time being but you know sometimes it's just a dengue outbreak you know what i'm saying and and, and in certain countries every now and then okay maybe some uh is affecting some older people or people of certain diseases i don't think um I I could look at individual countries and say if they're going to have a health challenge, but I'm not really sure that it's going we're gonna see at the scale of what COVID did to us in
1: 2020. Mm, okay. Yeah, I'm glad. How about climate change, uh, May?
0: And uh what what about climate change is uh where your interest is?
1: Uh where would we at with it? We've been you know looking at it for ages, and I don't think that there is anything you know, uh, substantial enough being done, whether it would make a big difference, you know. Um, um, is there going to be any significant progress, you know, next year or soon after, you know, will there be any one person or group of people making a real difference? I think
0: that astrologically, it's, it's really hard to tell about how climate change is going to be affected uh astrologically because there isn't a planet or, or a sign that, that specifically talks about the climate per se. But I think we can extrapolate and, and talk about how um the world is going to react to that. And I think there are there are a few key points here. first of all with regard to things like like energy and like you know how how people are using the resources in the world. And I think until business or the way we buy and sell things changes, it's very I, I don't think it makes sense to think that the the this Whirling down the the use of the world's uh, I- I- finite resources is is going to to change in in a very large way. Now, having said that, um, I think that if we look at this generation of what what some people call Gen Z, it's a it's a it's a group of people who right now my belief is that they they should be about twenty six and below right now. So some of them, the older ones, are have already joined the workforce, and some of the younger ones are still in school. And a lot of them are are university students. People like Greta Thunberg, for example, is from from this group of people. Now, what was very interesting that I've started to notice is that they are very vocal. And uh, they have no qualms about uh, letting the big companies know exactly what they think of them and I think there are a lot of cynics right now saying that okay you know it's easy to criticize what the companies are doing but let's see you go without electricity for a while let's see you go without your your precious uh, mobile phones and your internet and I think to a large extent uh, the criticism is is accurate uh, that you know I don't think they could live without that stuff but at the same time I've seen that this generation not the generation I'm from but that they've put they've put their actions where their mouth is. And and I think they've they've been prepared to pay some of the price for for, uh, the inconveniences that that necessarily everyone has to go through if we are to save the planet, as it were. Yeah, And I think uh, a lot of the earlier generations kind of talked about it. A lot of it was very lip service. But then, as you said, not not very much was being done. And I think also because a lot of the leaders and the decisions are being made today are... uh, what um what some people call optics basically it looks good on a on yeah. a newspaper article they all they all gather at cop 27 26 and uh, whatever number have you but it it all looks really good in a newspaper article but in, in terms of the actual actions uh and all of these numbers have been uh presented in a way that that makes makes us appear as if we have some progress but it in, in real terms is is not really and I think most people can see that a lot of it is just you know blowing smoke at, at, at the issue but I think this younger generation are very talented at scoping out information nice. and something I've noticed is that the activists that are coming from this generation they're not just calling for change they're they're actually presenting the data. They're actually uh, getting involved with a lot of these studies that are presenting alternatives. And I suppose it it may take time, but at some point, an alternative is going to work. At some point, something's going to work because if you you throw enough brains at it, somebody's going to figure out uh, a solution. So the the reality is 10 years is a long time, Helen. Uh, And I think um, as we can see that the speed at how things are being developed nowadays, uh, at least I'm still hopeful that there is some kind of solution that will come out of it. Main, not, not because I see things in the charts that tell me that this is going to be reversed. It's not events that I see, but it's people that I see. Because eventually, some brains going to come up with this. And it does look like this generation is willing to, to work and to pay the price to make mm. to make it happen.
1: So in the end, um, it's really about the people, right? Oh, yeah. Regardless Isn't of... It- this generation, it comes down yes, to yes. us, and yes, it comes yes. down to also new leaders, right? We yes, yes. who are bolder, who have fresher thinking, right? Who dare, right, to stand up and speak up and and shake up, you know, right? Yep. I'm all for that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and no. I think we, we we see that a lot now. I mean, it's like just just a cursory look at some of the the new companies that's coming up. You'll see that um although Although the industries haven't been very different, you know, people are still in food, people are still in, in technology, in, in production. Uh, and I don't think, it's like a lot of people think that young people, are, if, if they're starting a business now, oh, guarantee it's going to be like a tech thing or they're building a mobile app. But it's not true. Uh, in fact, I've noticed, um, at least not so much in Singapore because we're not really into farming and things like that. We don't have space. But uh, from, from the networks that I, I'm personally on in, in the US, for example, a lot of people my age are going into farming. And I think it's it's and it's specifically combining the technology that's available today to be able to sort of combine with the traditional methods of farming and they're, they're actively trying to put their brains together and trying to find a way to to still produce food at an affordable cost uh and not to harm the environment. So it's like they are trying to sort of juggle a few balls at the same time, but I'm I'm amazed at how these guys um have are trying to keep the, the traditions. But at the same time, using what their parents don't have, which is a modern education and all this technology that is now available to them. And I think it's it's beautiful. They've got the energy to do it, isn't it? Yeah, they've is got it. the energy Absolutely. they have. Yeah. yeah. They've got satellite technology in in, in their hands. And I've seen people actually controlling their farm with a mobile phone. (laughs) It's like, and this is unthinkable. And, you know, in the olden days with their fathers and their grandfathers, we're looking at people toiling for hours on on the fields. Of course, it's not doable. But if if you could control machinery pre-programmed from your mobile phone, suddenly we've got a solution that could work for hundreds of farms, not just one farm. Yeah. So and I think it's it's the mindset also. I think also with this new generation, this idea of the collective is, is a lot stronger with them than with the older generation. Because I think it's a lot less of that, you know, I win, you lose. And I think the, the old ways in the business used to be was that um the customer is mine, which means you lose the customer. And I think that was a very short-sighted way of looking at business. I think a lot of young people are very interested in this idea of um sharing technology. And I think uh like even, even this concept of like um when we say working together, sometimes there's a lot more loose, looser boundaries with regard to things like machinery. There's a lot of sharing now. Like if I'm not using this machine, go ahead, use it, right? Just compensate me for for, for the cost or, or whatever, cover my cost for me. And, and you can you can use my my staff, my people, my equipment. It's better than them sitting around doing nothing, isn't it? So it's like I think people are much more conscious of the wastage of resources because look at the, the if you look at the state of the world a lot of it is not that we are necessarily bad people but i think there's been a lot of waste in the world uh excess people sitting around doing nothing they're like machines that are not quite uh, not quite operating at the optimal way that it really should have been and i think that's that's what this generation is trying to address right now that they don't have to be the biggest iqs in the world but i think it's like this drive for them to uh, let's work with what we have Because this is all we got.
1: But we we need more than IQ. We need EQ. And now I would say we need SQ as well, which is spiritual quotient, right? And and what is spiritual quotient? It's about uh, actually very simply tapping into what we already have inside us, right? And if we do that, we can actually utilize it. We can actually use a higher intelligence, what I call a higher intelligence, you know? And, and, and I love it, you know, hearing all this. I mean, I, I know of it. Uh, I love Greta Thunberg, for example. I think she's mm-hmm. fabulous, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think we just need a whole lot more of it, right? And, yeah. and people in my generation uh, need to work with them and, and support them, you know, yeah, not, you. not come with old ideas and impose, yes, yes, you know, yes, on the yes, new. Yes. It's stupid, right? Uh, so it's about making way for the new, you know, and 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 doesn't mean you throw everything out, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yes, you make yes. use of of it. Not not the baby, but you know what I mean. You know? yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? <yeah>. You make <laughs> use of what's there and you you broaden everything and you forge ahead. I mean that's you how know I, there's, it.
0: An, there's an there's anecdote that I, I sort of saw that that day, which I shared with my students, and uh, I heard that there had been a career fair that was going on in one of the universities in Singapore. So as you can expect, a lot of the big companies show up. Like yeah, A lot of them are petroleum companies, right? So they show up and uh, with, with all the, the job positions that were available. And I think what they didn't expect was that the students actually got together to write an email to the organisers to sort of criticise um, about some of the jobs that were available that they felt was these are the jobs that are killing the 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 world, the killing the planet. And uh I, I'm not really sure that the the this particular university should be uh promoting these jobs to, to our students and it are be just going to make things worse. And I I I was very struck by that because I went um to university in Singapore and I would recall that there were these fairs that 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 occurred when I was there as a student. And you know if the petroleum company show up people would queue up to hope to be chosen for, for the positions, not to show up and criticize and say like, well, this is a terrible job and you should not be doing stuff like that. And I'm, I'm very struck by how different the reaction is uh, from the young people versus the people when, when I was a, was a teenager in, in, at university. And to me, it's um this is the difference. This is what's going to force them to change. Because if you can't staff your processes if you've got processes where nobody wants to work for you, nobody wants to carry this out, therefore the process doesn't work. And you know, Helen, if you ask me, are things going to change in the next 10 years? I don't think we can change it with the existing people in charge. You can't, you can't no, change it with the existing processes that are there. But you see, when when these people retire and then when I mean, you have a renewal of people and that the new generation refuses to play that game, I think that's the only way that we can stop this train.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It's the only way that it's going to happen. I think people in our generation who have something to share need to pass it down what what can be shared and then, you know, support them, uh, guide them, and leave them to run it. You know, that's how I see it. That was May Sim, psychological astrologist extraordinaire. May talks about feeling that she has limited time to do all that she aspires to do and that this perception of hers is part of what drives her to accomplish all that she sets out to achieve. I, on the other hand, am driven by the fact that people limit themselves so hugely when there is in fact a limitless treasure trove within all of us. Even after two to three decades of coaching people all over the world and multinational companies in Asia-Pacific, I still feel hugely compelled to help people draw out the many gifts and talents they have within them. And we all have many, many more than most of us realize we all carry not only seeds of greatness within us, we actually carry true greatness with a capital T and a capital G itself inside us. Hence, I say that we may seem ordinary on the outside, but in fact, there is immense extraordinariness within all of us. We are all capable, of the extraordinary, and we only need to tap into what's inside of ourselves in as big a way as we dare to and are ready for. Extraordinariness, mind you, is not about, you know, rah-rah and being flashy and all that. No, there is great simplicity, there's great humility, and yet there's so much that we can actually accomplish, especially if we do it together. I feel very strongly that it is time for us to tap into this extraordinariness, be it through astrology and May's expertise in supporting you that way, or with my team and my help, where we support you via a powerful coaching methodology that I created in the year 2000, and thoroughly tested, honed, and upgraded in the last two decades since. Check out May's many interesting and detailed YouTube videos with charts and all that she explains very well and clearly about past trends and our shared future. You can either simply Google May Sim to find her YouTube channel or log into her website selfastrology.com or come join me at my next live global Zoom session on December 29th where I can expertly support you to transform and thrive as massively as you're ready for. You can check out my dedicated webpage for these sessions at transformandthrive.club and email me at inquiries.com at leihais.com for more details. Enquiries is spelled with an I-E-S and Heis is spelled L-E-E-H-E-I-S-S, one word. Meanwhile, be sure to tune into part two of my interview with May, which will be out next Monday for more about what you can expect in 2023 and the years ahead. I can tell you it will be an exciting time provided you know what to look for and how to adapt, maximizing the true greatness and the many treasures you have within you that we can help you uncover and fully utilize. This is Helen Lee on the Transform and Thrive show, sending you so much love and wishing you endless possibilities of great joy and freedom Peace and abundance at all levels, now and always. Happy transforming and thriving. You, my beloved friends, most definitely have the power to do so masterfully and joyously. Thank you for joining me. Your presence is vital and very, very much appreciated. As always, bye for now.